Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb, I am. Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And right now, my friend, if you are an entrepreneur, want to be an entrepreneur, or are simply excited by the astonishing revolutions that one lone entrepreneur can accomplish, you will want to hang on the words of today's guest, Mr. John G. Thompson. All of the revolutions, or all, I'm sorry, all too many uh, revolutions are launched with guns, and I think it's about bloody time we had a revolution that did away with guns and gun violence, don't you? Well, John not only dreams of stopping death by firearms, he has engineered a social enterprise that is halting the shooting and bringing about the profits of peace. The results? His snug organization, that's guns in reverse, my friend, gun violence has been reduced in his city of Yonkers by 86%. Yes, 86%. How can one person do that? Well, we're going to find out right about now. But first, allow me to warn you that John Thompson is no ordinary do-gooder. John has been honored with the Prometheus Social Enterprise Awards. One of He is one of the seven top social entrepreneurs selected from a worldwide list of candidates. And he is just one of those desperately needed folks in our business community who sees business as a force for good. And his story will astound you. And it, But also, his strategies are going to or something of which you should really sit and take note. So if you're looking for a whole lot of uplifting news as we enter our Yuletide 2020, get ready, because here comes one ambitious entrepreneur who gave up a Juilliard School of Music scholarship so he could build a better world. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Thompson. John, I'm so glad that you could make the vir- virtual journey from Yonkers, uh, New York, to uh, the city of leisurely living, right over here and join us today. Thank you very much for the opportunity of being here. I'm excited about it. Oh, I think yeah, we, we have a, you have so much I uh, we all want to hear about and cover. Now, and uh, and one of them, I thought we sort of start off with some fun. You, you have one of the most fabulous career launching stories I have ever heard. I mean, you are now uh, chief of development for the Yonkers YMCA and a very effective leader there. But you began your career of service with the Salvation Army. And could you share with us that early tale of what led you into the Army? Well, let me just start with I'm an ordinary kid. And I just happened to get connected with the Salvation Army through some friends who were Boy Scouts there back in the day when Boy Scouting was a lot larger. Uh, And they invited me to be a part of that uh, opportunity. And so I I joined the Boy Scouts, and I was involved now. I'd grown up in a good home, you know, a a family that was very committed to uh, God, and we went to church regularly and all those kinds of things. So being a Boy Scout was something I felt should be natural, serving and doing. So when I went to the Salvation Army, I got deeply involved. I volunteered for everything. If they were serving mm. emergency food on the, on their canteen truck out in the community, I went. If they were doing something where that feeding the hungry or clothing the naked, I was involved. And so that's kind of how uh, I really got involved. But it was just even more incredible uh, that the captain at the time uh, went out of his way to really get to know me. He came to visit mm. me uh, in my housing development in Yonkers. Um, 
I grew up in probably one of the larger housing developments in Yonkers. At the time, it was called Slobom. It's now called Palisade Towers. Uh, and mm-hmm. we, uh, he came to visit us. Now, housing developments aren't the best place to go visit someone. You don't, you don't take someone to lunch and go to a housing development. Uh, he came yeah. by. He came by our home, yeah. and despite the fact that some of the stairwells were not well kept, I mean, they really smelled awful, some of them of urine, uh-huh. that kind of thing. Um, he came and visited us and brought a couple of the young people who were involved with the Salvation Army. And he came to our fourth-floor apartment. And what was unique about that is, at the time, I'd even had a pastor who was an African-American who wouldn't, didn't come to see me. He, didn't, he wasn't, didn't feel too safe in that community. But yet this <laughs> gentleman, large, tall, lanky, white gentleman with a heart of gold, came to visit me. And he came to our home and spent some time with us. Uh, the kids came, and my twin brother and I played with them in the back room while he had conversation with my mother. And so while they were having mm-hmm. conversation, at some point, and I still don't remember to this day whether it was my brother or I that uh, responded, but my mother uh, said something to the, I get the get the captain some water. And so one of us went went to the refrigerator, got some water. And, you know, we're remember, we're in a housing development, so the refrigerators weren't really great, uh, and the lining yeah. within the, in the refrigerator wasn't good. So at some point, a cockroach got in uh, the ice cubes. And so we ended up with, oh. with a, serving him a glass of water with a cockroach in it. Oh, I didn't know this Lord. at the time. It was the next day at the Salvation Army that one of those young friends came over and said, Did you know that the captain uh, drank a glass of water with a cockroach in it? I would have been sick to my stomach, but he drank the whole thing. <laughs> now, if you want to talk about impactful. That's oh impactful. wow! The man took away that. Yes, for me, a man who would do that and say nothing. My lord, I, I there's a path I want to follow. My heavens, yes. my heavens. Very true. That's Very great. True. Well, well, John, you now actually to carry uh, something. I know that about sometime age 21 or 22, you you follow this uh, vigorously, and you you took over the leadership of the entire uh, West Philadelphia Command of the Salvation Army, and. Uh, Actually, John, I think most of us have really a very limited idea of what the Salvation Army provides. I mean, you know, we sort of envision these bell ringers collecting Christmas coins, but but we we don't really know. Could you tell us a little bit the real story about what the Salvation Army strives for and what it accomplishes? Well, the Salvation Army is actually a religious organization, very committed to Christian principles uh, of serving and doing. And what I really love about them is that uh, in their mission, they talk about serving everyone without uh, everyone with need without discrimination. And so, if you have a need. The Salvation Army serves. I think in the time that I served with them, I think that went to everything from I, I remember going to emergency disasters around the country. Uh, I remember, oh. uh, um, you know, food drives and clothing drives and uh, all kinds of mm-hmm. things like that. I personally, in West Philadelphia, uh, and I was there for a few years, built up a three-acre facility that included senior housing, a community center for okay. children, uh, after-school programming, the early days of after-school programming uh, before the licensure, yeah, so yeah, all right. of that's licensed now. So we did all of those kinds of things, worship services as well, uh, AA meetings, uh, NA meetings, all those kinds of things. So we did a little bit of everything. I think um, uh, one commission in the Salvation Army uh, said, to me, that it is your job uh-huh. 
to move, go to whatever community we send you to, find out what the need is, and find some way to meet it. You don't have to do all the work. You have to help rally the community so that the work gets done. So the Salvation Army takes Boy, a does that sound, images me, but that places. sounds like the absolute call uh, for any entrepreneur setting up a business that, that you go out, you find the need, you see where it was. You don't say, this is what I want to bring. You say, you find the need, and you rally the people around it. It's, it's, uh, that makes a lot of darn good sense. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, it makes sense. Uh, one, one very quick story. Uh, this has to do on the religious side of things. Uh, one of the things that they uh-huh. asked me to do was even to turn the setting into a stronger church. And I had replaced uh-huh. someone uh, who had, had died just a month before I got there. Uh, and so uh-huh. uh, I had a lot to do. So one of the things that I did was an afternoon Sunday school. Uh, and it was it was going out, reaching kids, building relationships with them, and helping to meet their human and physical needs, uh, of, of not only the children, of their families. And I remember we would grab, I would grab the big bass drum. Other days I would take my tuba. I'm an avid tuba player, and in the Salvation Army, many of us play instruments. So whenever I could, I'd get a crew of people to go with me. We marched around the community. So we had 600 kids being pied pipered back to the Salvation Army. Sure. Uh, and, then we would, and then we would spend the time, and we, would develop, we developed ahead of time activities and programs and things like that so that the children would stay actively involved with the Salvation Army every day of the week. So I had a really unique wow. opportunity in being able to build it back. Now that's that came through the religious stuff. We did the same kinds of things for clothing, drives, food, all of the rest of that. It was about finding wow. out uh, what the real needs were. And you don't really know the need unless you know the people. And so we spent time getting right. to know the people. And so it was an exciting opportunity for us. Well, now, you, you were a Good up there. Uh, you're like any good entrepreneur. You really sort of discovered the best programs out there, and it sounds mm-hmm. like uh, this sort of sets you up when when you uh, then uh, went back to to Yonkers. Uh, and I know that that you you sort of returned to your hometown, and suddenly with all your ideas and all the programs and. Uh, and, and all this enthusiasm, you you're sort of all your ideals are sort of smacked with gun violence. You you, you told me something about 26 shooting deaths in 27 days or some heaven awful number, and so you you took a stand. You you said I'm going to de- develop an enterprise that's going to stop this destruction. What were you hoping to do when you say, when you came up with that idea? What were you what did you actually think you could do? Well. Um... I honestly entered this uh, understanding a little bit of the violence because I grew up in a housing development. I've had family members that were shot, family members that have been through some things, family members that chose to be gang members, all of those kinds of things. So I kind of had a lay of the land. So when this opportunity Mm -hmm. came, I saw it as a way to change my family, change my community for the better. And so I, I, mm-hmm. I think I stepped into something really big, not having all the answers, but certainly wanting to get to know the people. So we spent our time really canvassing the community, 
getting to know what's going on in the community. And we did this in 2010, really getting to know the community, uh, going into neighborhoods. I always think of the Star Trek theme, going where no man has ever gone before, uh, kind of <laughs> yeah. thinking. I've got a lot of where, where most men would be darn scared to put their feet, but nonetheless. Yeah. You know, we, we <laughs> learned to do this without wearing the suit and the tie. Uh, go and be mm-hmm. one of the people, uh, you know, and after all my formal years with the Salvation Army and even with the YMCA, you know, where you wear a shirt and tie to everything, that was a little unique. Yeah. Going into the community yeah. and not looking like a social worker. Going into the community yeah. and just saying hello. Having wintertime barbecues. Having... Wow. Uh, hot chocolate in the hood at midnight, doing things like that so that we were not reaching the good kid that's always going to get the helping hand, but we were actually going to know the kid that owned the gun, the kid that had been violent, the kid, kid whose family was influenced by violence. That's what our target target audience was, and that's what we kept with. So we tried to get to know, uh, I think, what, what, what Will Smith would probably call the worst of the worst of the worst, uh, as yeah. it might be. Uh-huh. Um, and so we really got to know them, build relationships with them, and then worked to turn their lives around. Wow. Well, if you have just joined us, you're listening to The Art of the CEO Radio Show, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time bludgeons its way across the overwhelmed airwave avenues of mysterious cyberspace where you may listen and download this episode and, and all our others by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. We are on several radio stations, but if you turn into that website, you can find all our shows. Now, John, you you hinted at this, and and you unbelievably went directly uh, to the root of the of the problem, so to speak. You yeah, uh, you met with gang leaders and and many of the shooters, and I'm uh, I'm sort of interested, and in, you, you uh, it can't all be done with barbecues. How did a, uh, an old do-gooder from the YMCA like you go about finding and meeting these folks on, on the shall we say shadowy side of town? Well, it's a part, part of it is building the team that really knows that side of town. We did not uh-huh. hire uh, we didn't hire people who came from a profession of success, all of those kind of things. What we hired, or the people that we hired, were people who may have at one point been people of ill report. They were once gang leaders. Uh, right. They were once uh-huh. involved with the drug trafficking and other kinds of things. So we got people who had once lived in that environment doing those things, but had turn their lives around. So, you know, people, maybe it's only been a couple of years, uh, some of them when they mm-hmm. joined us, in which they turned their lives around, but they had to prove to us through a, uh, a very big process of interviewing uh, a panel uh, mm-hmm. in which we interviewed them to see if they oh. were really involved, to see if they really were working to turn their own life around, and see if they really had the heart to go back to that community and be able to save it. After all, uh, a lot of the work that they did before uh, before we hired them would have related to restoring the community. So this was going to be a chance for them to go back and turn it back around. So one particular episode that happened uh-huh. with us was that um, the team decided they were going to do a, a peace treaty between two huge gangs in the city of Yonkers. Now, this is a number of years ago. Okay. So they went into uh-huh. the community, and they got the they got the two two groups to agree to a peace treaty. Now, here's how it went down. They went to an undisclosed place. Uh, right. They went. Our, our team carries no weapons. 
doesn't have any kind of safety oh, yeah. equipment, so there's no bulletproof vest or anything like that. They went <laughs> yeah. to go in the room where everybody was meeting, and of course both sides were they were armed to the T. Uh, and they walked oh, yeah, into the yeah, room, sure. and you can hear the clicking of some of the guns when uh, when they when um, they entered that room, and the team began to to look around and all those kinds of things. And through the art of conversation, they began to speak and say, "Look, guys, we have to save Yonkers. Innocent people are dying, people are hurting, and you guys hold the key to making the change." Well, they have a little blurry, few blurry moments there. They agreed, and we had a three-year peace. Wow, uh, that worked out. Now, John, I got to tell you, most of us, most of us really only have the Hollywood uh, version of what urban gangs are like, and you have just sort of opened up some of some of it yourself. I'm interested to know uh, they are also many of these gangs are successful in in what they're doing. They're running a very successful operation. I mean, and. although it's destructive for the city, I guess what I'm saying is what kind of pitch did you give to a gang leader or or a shooter that would make him want to turn around? We just said we can fill in the gaps. We can help you to achieve the pieces that you've never achieved before. Most of you Uh have skills that are very similar to what other businessmen, what other entrepreneurs, what other people have. You have all the skill sets. You've just applied them to the wrong things. We can help you turn that around. And so spending time in individual counsel with each one, we talked about career development. We talked about a family. We talked about all those kinds of things. Now, you have to take a look at this. When most people get involved with a gang, they're generally a teenager. When they're about 20, 21 years old, age 22, they're beginning to think more like adults, and so they're looking right. at uh-huh. And some of them have why children. Doesn't that ha- Excuse me, John, but why doesn't that happen in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> the older they get, the dumber they get. I, I, mean, I, I haven't found it. There's it's something I, I don't understand there. But, uh, what is it? Herbert Hoover said uh, Washington, D.C. is 12 square miles surrounded by reality. So I, I guess you had sort of an advantage in, in not having to deal in Washington. I well, I, I think there may have definitely been an advantage. I've, well, I've been to Washington a few times, joining some gang prevention type opportunities. Uh, I think maybe we could we could probably play some intervention at the White House if the opportunity ever presented itself. <laughs> we got, we're gonna we're, we're gonna hold you to that. We're, we we it, it may be needed. Anyway, I'm sorry for 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 taking you off track. You you were saying you were saying that these that that they get to be they get to be 20 and they start looking at things differently. Yes, they want they want their family to be strong. They want their children to have opportunities that they didn't have. And so they begin to look at that and they realize that every everywhere they turn, they have to watch their backs. They have to watch to make sure they don't get into yeah. something. They have to watch to make sure their children are safe. So there is a, a, a mental change that begins to take place in which they're thinking mm. about changing their lives. And so that's when we can hit them uh hard uh, with the right things. And so, again, job training, uh, counseling, um, even uh, trying to support them in changing their housing and their location in order to be able to be in a different environment. Even being around people, positivity. Uh, we even, uh, no, at the no, time, no. and still to this day, 
we give away memberships to the gang 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 members, and they're not all gang members. Some of them are just uh, uh, they're independent yeah. and they do their own thing. So they're not all gangs. We give them memberships right. so they have a place to go. So when you're upset and you're angry, come punch the punching bag for a while. Come play basketball. Yeah, right. Come spend some time with a counselor. Yeah, uh, we got some some of the staff members even here at the YMCA were a little nervous about that when we began, but now. If we oh, ever man. talk about not giving them a membership, the staff members rise up and say they deserve to be here. So we've even changed, you know, you wow. can change the impressions of people over time. Uh, and, and again, if you really want to influence the community, let the wealthy and the poor and the disenfranchised be in the same setting long enough. And you're going to see some great change. You're going to see understanding from the wealthy. And you can see the poor and disenfranchised. Uh, change their skill sets or learn new skill sets in order to be able to change their future. I think, John, this is. I, I think we are, you have just touched on a timeless truth of business, and it's, this is a quill pen moment, friends. I'd like you all to take your uh, quill pen, dip it in your inkwell, and write this down: that when you can get all of the people together, the wealthy, the poor, the disenfranchised, and those sitting on the top. If they, when you get them together, powerful things can happen. Remember, I ask you, I invite you all to take on and hold, take hold of that. Now, John Tassel continues sharing his tactics for defeating gun violence, uh, setting folks on the right track. Right after you and I take a brief uh, sorbet for today's Feast of Wisdom, as we offer you a few utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, may I ask, will this be the day that you pause amid all your workplace frenzy and check out and make sure that your efforts are actually aiming at the purpose that you really want? Or, Will you continue to resign yourself to the pathways that others have laid out for you? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from our source book of business humor in the words of my wife's husband. So uh, let's see. Let me thumb through and find one. Okay. Oh, this this I like. I like this one. This will fit. <clears throat> a two-page contract with an honorable person is a waste of paper, and a thousand-page contract will not save you from the clutches of the devil. <laughs> so what do you think, John? Do you think that the old American business idea of uh, deal with the devil himself if he'd offer it for 10 cents a widget cheaper is perhaps the wisest way, or perhaps, or is determining the character with whom you're dealing a bit more profitable? What's your thought? Well, the devil and I are good old enemies, and we've, we've worked <laughs> together and... Uh, dealt dukes with each other many, many times. So I think that's really good wisdom for us to to really think clearly about what we get ourselves involved with. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you smirk a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of the 102 or the 101 Best Business Quips book, uh, or in the words of my wife's husband, any, anything that we're going to help you poke a little sardonic startle into all, all your zoommates and pull them out of their online lethargy, and uh, you may even drag them over to your point of view, perhaps. Who knows? <laughs> and as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon you the answer to the last episode's business quotation. That is the name of the individual who said, 
If it comes to the decision between having a government without newspapers and newspapers without government, I fully find myself in favor of the latter. <laughs> and uh, those words were spoken by none other than our founding father and great champion of democracy, believer in the power of the people, Mr. Thomas Jefferson. Did you know that one? Uh, did you know that that one, John? Are you? I'm not. I'm not sure that I, I know that one or not. Yeah, well, it's, it shows that he really believed in the power of the pe- of, of the people, which I think is something mm-hmm. we're saying now. Anyway, uh, if and stick around because if if uh, later on in the show we're gonna uh, we'll have another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks dot com. That's i n f o at bartsbooks dot com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind and soul igniting gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And uh, John Thompson continues his tale of tactics for turning back the gun violence tide right after I introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, who invites you to take a look at the uh, at its, up, uh, its uh, latest offering, in the words of my wife's husband, as noted, it is your complete source book for human for business humor, and uh, it's just sort of a chance for you to grab a fistful of rye wit and pass along to your fellow dream chasers at work, and you, you'll find you'll stumble across uh, as you savor it, like uh, some vintage wine. You'll stumble across such things as every senior manager wants to be loved, but what he really gets a kick out of is being envied, or the entry level position presumes that you will rise higher because that foot you use to get in the door is hopefully not your only asset. <laughs> and and so it goes. Uh, but just imagine, when, uh, think of this, uh, in the words of my wife's husband, as an ideal holiday gift or a New Year's gift for yourself or all those hard-sweating staff members and those much, uh, your much-appreciated clients. You get all the quips and jovial repartee, and uh, it'll help you make the, uh, take you from keeping today the, uh, quite too seriously, and you'll have a little more fun at work. Carpe diem, my friend. You are worth it. Just visit bartsbooks.com. And now, uh, utensils at hand, let's return to the inspirational uh, social enterprise of John Thompson and uh, continue to be amazed. John, uh, if I may, I'd like to touch on uh, the the spirit that kept you going through this crusade of yours. Uh, We have a lot of entrepreneurial folks out there and aspiring entrepreneurs, and whether it's a social or profit-making enterprise, every entrepreneur pours their heart out. They put it all into this venture, and you feel like you're going nowhere. It's, you're, you're fighting the uphill battle. How did you find the source of strength to keep fighting on? I think there has to be a deep spiritual commitment for yourself. You have to have something to hold on to. Surround yourself with the right people. Surround yourself with the right influences uh, in order to be able to carry yourself through. Uh, I have accountability partners. I have um, advisors. I have a pastor. Even though I've served as a pastor, I have a pastor because it's very, very important for me to sometimes look outside of myself and get advice to make sure that I don't go too deep to the left or too deep to the right because you can get lost in it all. Uh, One of the things that you worry about, especially when you deal with crime prevention, those kinds of things, is uh, attrition, people going back to their old lifestyles. And now that was never my lifestyle per se, but again, that influence can have such uh, 
impact on people, it's important to surround yourself with uh, the mechanism so that that doesn't happen. Even today in our SNUG program, we now have included with uh, many of our SNUG teams around the state of New York, uh, social workers and case managers who work with the team and with the people ah. that are being influenced on the outside. So that's a, a new venue that we're doing. We're beginning that here in Yonkers uh, in the next few weeks uh, as well. Wow. In order to, uh, uh, I think that someone once said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? but lose his own soul. So this is an avenue to be able to catch ourselves before we go too far. I think that's great. I think everyone, I always like the term pastor, uh, regardless of it's uh, someone who uh, takes you, doesn't, someone who takes you and, as you say, moves you in, in, the, proper, uh, in the proper direction where really the luscious uh, parts of your life lie. And uh, I've, I've always thought that's good. Uh, I, I know that you say the Stunk program is still going on, and you are uh, chief of development for the Youngers YMCA. And you, you mentioned the one program. How do you see the role of the YMCA today? Certainly, it's changed a lot. How, what is the role, and uh, what are some of the other schemes and plans you've got in mind? I, I think uh, that. What I said that commissioner said to me all those years ago still rests in my heart in a great way. I think it's the fact that we are in a community of great need. It is our job mm-hmm. to meet that need in whatever way that it comes. For example, beginning tomorrow again, it's going to be our second round. We're doing uh, Nourish New York has funded us to be able to feed uh, people and to be able to provide food and be able to go on and provide households with food to be able to survive. We do backpacks where we provide kids with food to take home on the weekends to be able to uh, serve and uh, serve their families. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we stack those backpacks so that they have enough so that it's not just the child eating, but their family members are eating as well. It's it's also creating an avenue like a clubhouse. We have a wonderful clubhouse here uh, where the design is to help kids who are in communities that are influenced by drugs and alcohol and to help them develop the mechanisms. So there are group, group meetings. There are other kinds of things to be able to talk through what's happening in their lives. Why is this such a pressure? How can we help you with this? What can we do to help you to escape that? Uh, we have employment training programs. I, again, you've got to change uh, the lifestyle. You've got to change the working opportunities. You've got to give people opportunity. And if, if anything could come from Washington, it's giving more opportunity to people. Most people want to be good. I think sometimes people assume that, oh, that community is no good and that people almost want to be bad. No, there's something intrinsically good in every person. We just have to mm. dig, dig mm-hmm. deep enough to find it, surface it, and help them to dwell on those things. Uh, someone else said, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, think on these things. And that's kind of what we're trying to do, surface the challenges and help to move them in the right direction. I think firing the spark of opportunity, as you have said, is one of the uh, not only most noble, it's one of the most practical works any of us can be involved in, and, and so many businesses do that, and that's by being for-profit and social enterprises that they are. Uh, there are sparks of opportunity out there, and uh, they people have to be helped to see it. And I think that there's so many people who do want to give. And I, if I if I may, I just like to say a hip hip hooray for all of you who have in this time given so much 
There are food pantries out there. My wife's presbytery started a food pantry. They had $500. Several After giving away several thousand dollars later, they still had 800 left. This Loaves and Fishes story is brought to you courtesy of all your generosity out there. So hip, hip, hooray to all of you who are giving. I did, I, I had to, yeah. That's my soap opera, and I'll get off it real quick. But I just want to thank everybody. Uh, John, as you uh come into as we sort of come into um uh, christmas tide and i was wondering if you could just share uh some of your own top wish lists the, the things that you the, what message would you like to share whether it be the prayer of of the uh founder of the salvation army or what would you like message would you like to share with uh, your fellows uh, as we come into this time of hope uh, around the world I guess I would start with, to use my own words, would start with love people. Truly, sincerely love people. If you love people, it'll help you to wade through the myriads of paperwork. It'll uh, it'll help you to uh, plow through the challenges of the discussions. Sometimes people enter into contracts with other people for the wrong reasons. We, if we truly love each other... We can help to make such a difference. Um, a smile is so effective in making change. Oh, yeah. A hug still makes it. I know we. I know we have social distancing as a challenge right now, so the smile yeah. has to do for a period of time. But I know that people need to feel like they're still important, no matter who they are. Mm. If they feel important, mm. they'll rise to greater things, and I think that that's what makes a difference. The uh, I'm, I'm strongly influenced, as you know, by the Salvation Army, and the founder of the Salvation sure. Army said something that was uh, so impactful for me uh, that to this day I quote it uh, religiously. And, it, and he simply said this, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there's a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. That is how I want to prove it. That is truly inspiring, and it's something I hope we can all take in our hearts. And before we, I, I, as you're, as you're all holding that. I'd like to insert, and it may seem odd, but just a little bit of the practical. You have many lawful, lofty, and, and beneficial ideas that you have brought on. You've told us some of the programs. And there's you obviously have a talent for convincing people about this. Uh, so is there a way that I, if in my own business, whatever it is, in my own venture that I'm taking part, do you have some advice on selling my ideas, be it to a board, be it to others, be it to clients, some something that I would that helps you move your your program from wish list onto the assembly line. Is there some some way that you that you see that that perhaps that you've learned that you might want to pass on along that way? I think the sincerity uh, of your love for people will shine through as you present to your boards, to other other people, uh, uh, aficionados in so many different ways. I think if people truly feel and understand that you are passionate about something, they will buy in. 
I don't think it's a, a, a matter of that you have the right paperwork or that all the files are in place the proper way. I think those are important things, and certainly order and structure are very, very important. There's not taking anything from that. But I think I have to sense from my leaders that they care about what I care about. And if that's there, mm-hmm. then I'm going to buy in. So if you want your board members to buy in, you've got to do that. You've got to be ready. Uh, you know, we've learned that uh, that uh, elevator speech, you know, learning to say things quickly, <laughs> but learn to say them passionately as well. Show me this means something to you. It's not just something you do because it's your job. It's got to be more than a job. It's got to be a lifestyle. That's where I believe people become successful. Show me that this means something to you. Excellent, excellent. Now, John, if I want to uh, help you further the cause of your uh, Yonkers YMCA or perhaps share some of your ideas and programs with my own local YMCA, how might I contact you for advice and or perhaps to make a donation? Well, uh, the, the, you can contact the YMCA of Yonkers. Uh, but let's start with our website, yoymca.org. Y-O is for Yonkers, so we like to go, yo, YMCA. Yoymca.org uh, would be uh, a great way to be able to make a donation and do that kind of thing, or physical contact uh, through um, stopping by or even uh, calling uh, 914-963-0183, uh, or even uh, just contact us. All of our, our email addresses are on the website. Please, if you want to be able to join the cause, help us. If you need me to come to you or to help you or to assist you in any way, please feel free to contact me. Uh, I am happy to go. Uh, I will make the time because it's about changing a whole world, not just one community. We do it one community at a time, but we're not done until we've changed the whole world. That's, thank you very much, John. It's been an honor. It was an honor to have you as one of our Prometheus Award honorees, and it's it's uh, it's been an honor to have you on the show. And you certainly have passed along a lot of wisdom, and I think it's uh, it's it's coming from a very passionate core of yourself, and that is something that uh, is is absolutely unconquerable. So I thank you so much for coming on the show. And we certainly uh, are going to uh, bring you on back and uh, later on when we can and uh, have you up- give us an update on how things are going along. Fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for coming on. And as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. Uh, and that is... Uh, <clears throat> who was it who said, I busted a mirror and got seven years bad luck, but my lawyer thinks he can get me five. <laughs> and uh, this uh, rather, this silly quotation comes from a, 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 an excellent uh, stand-up comedian who made the best-selling comedy album, I Have a Pony, and the Oscar-winning film, The Appointments of Dennis Jennings. And so remember, if you know the author of this quote, just send that author's name as you believe him or her to be right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely career-igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, uh, allow me to give one of my many definitions of Christmas. Christmas is an inexplicable groundswelling of joy and grateful beneficence and unlifted, uplifted spirituality of such global proportions that it crushes all the cynics' attempt at detraction. 
God bless you each, and God bless us, everyone. And to you who have been gleefully sharing our feast, I hope that you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as John and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. <laughs>